number three of the Bill Michaels Show. Saying hi to Maddie, listening to us on WDUZ in Green Bay. Uh, Jeffrey, listening to us in Milwaukee on the Big 920. Big 920 AM. And uh, this is from Keith, who says, looking forward to your visit in Viroqua. Do you know your itinerary yet? We're going to be in Viroqua next week. I don't, Keith, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be a good time. I know we're playing golf at some point. I think we're bringing the golf clubs. Um, Ernie wants to take us out and play uh, play golf for an afternoon. It might be next Friday. We're going to be doing, I think, like 18 holes or nine holes, whatever. I don't know, uh, of golf. Um next Friday. But beyond that, I'm sure we're going to be at the Norwegian Hollow. I'm sure we're going to be down at Kickapoo Creekside. I'm sure maybe the Nelson Agri Center. I don't know for sure. We usually go there. Uh, the VFW Hall. So we uh, we, we love Viroqua, man. Love Viroqua. Love going there. It's beautiful territory. And now that the leaves are changing, I, I really can't wait. I've never been out there in the fall like this. So really looking forward to it. But thanks for taking a listen to us out there. 877-867-1670. Uh, if you want to chime in, uh, you can. That's the phone number. You can always drop us an email the old-fashioned way, if you will, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Uh, this is uh, Jeff listening to us in Manawag. Uh, good day. I love listening to the show. I would like to find out uh, a listing of the stations that carry your broadcast as to where I live. I am only able to listen to... Uh, for one hour, which is WDZ because they take us off the FM and put them on the AM. I think that's how they do. At that point, they cut to to the uh, Jim Rome show. That's a shame. It is, uh, which is not to my liking at all. I was not able to locate the list on the website for more information. Uh, Jeff, uh, we'll get to you, man. I'll send you a whole list of places you can go to, but uh, you can always, always download the app, uh, WOZN, the, the Zone in Madison. The Zone in Madison. Always find us there. W-O-Z-N, just go to down on your Play Store or your Apple Apple Store or whatever, uh, W-O-Z-N, The Zone, Madison. Download that app, and you can always listen to us there. So appreciate it. Uh, Mark writes, uh, is Aaron Rodgers the play-calling problem? Do you think Matt LaFleur's offense is this stale with him constantly in shotgun, or is that Rodgers th- uh, throwing the ball to his liking? Don't know. Don't know. I am hoping... I'm hoping that uh, Matt LaFleur would address, someone would ask that question and address that today. We're going to hear from Matt LaFleur coming up here in about 25 minutes. Just an FYI. Um, let's go to our, let's go back to the uh, phone call. We still had, oh, Dan, Daniel, so let's go to Daniel. Daniel listening to us, to us in Toma. Daniel, how you doing, man? How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I just wanted to know, am I watching the same teams as the other ones? These people are pointing out things that it seems like beginning of the season you're saying these are problems. They're acting like, oh, this really is happening. If they really want to improve the offense, I see game two, they didn't use the tight end. Game three, they used the tight end. And the key thing, I what do you think the key thing is to get that tight end going? And then the receivers, you know, of course they're new. It's going to take time to gel and get the timing down because we didn't really play in the preseason. I would say by game seven, you'll see a whole different offense. Don't you agree? The more they play, the better off they're going to get. Oh, yeah. You would assume so. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they don't improve, no, then we're going to have a long season. But, you know, give it time. You know, and these guys are like, what do you expect them to do? 
beginning of the season, we said it's going to be problems scoring because we don't have the same receivers. And they're mm-hmm. on here, oh, we only scored 14 points. Yeah, but our defense, beginning of the season, you said the key thing is our defense has improved. will keep mm-hmm. us in the game. Besides right. against Minnesota, when I think, I don't know what happened. I mean, we already expected it, you know they were going to lose, but not like that. Besides Minnesota, that defense is going to keep us in the game, give time for the offense to gel as a typical team does to score. I mean, mm-hmm. we're on a roll, but they act like we just lost. Uh, what I'm here. No, I, I, I completely, I understand what you're saying, and thanks, Daniel. I appreciate it. I understand what you're saying, but I think you can't ignore the fact that in the in the first half of the game against Tampa Bay, they were moving the ball at will. And all of a sudden, it just it it just died. It was all shotgun all the time. There was not a lot of movement, not a lot of motion, not a lot of creativity, and it just died. I mean, it wasn't like they went from you know uh, a, a six play drive, an eight play drive, a nine play drive, whatever, and all of a sudden they were struggling to move the football a little bit. I mean, when you look at the drive chart of the Green Bay Packers, their first drive. 10 plays, 75 yards, touchdowns. The next time they get their hands on the ball, 12 plays, 71 yards, touchdown. The next drive, when they end up fumbling on the one, six plays, 60 yards. Then they fumbled it away. Otherwise, I think they score. After that, it was three plays, four plays, three plays, three plays, three plays, four plays, three plays, four plays, eight plays, and punting it away, and then one play. They, they, I mean, it, it, it just – it wasn't like it went from 10 plays to six to eight to seven to, you know – it went from 10 plays to three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, four and out, three and out, three and out. It just, it, it died. So that's why I think there's a legitimate area to say, hey, what happened here? Why did the offense, you, you know, Tampa Bay's defense is getting paid too. I, I do not discount that because that's a good defense. But it was, it went from all to nothing like like that. And we've seen this happen with this team. Go back to the last time these two teams played in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Jones fumbled away the football. Done. Team was done after that. They they got conservative. Same thing last year. Mercedes Lewis in the postseason. Fumbled away the football. Done. Offense stunk against San Francisco. Couldn't move the football after the opening couple of drives. My question, what that leads me to believe, is that the scripted play, the diagnosed plays, the plays in which they they look at the defense and they say, this is going to work, this is going to work, this is going to work. We're going to get a rhythm and put these as a play caller back to back to back to back. You know, and it's doing it with with Matt LaFleur, Aaron Jones, or uh, Aaron Rodgers, and the, and they're, they're the offensive mind trust getting ready for the game plan for the first 16 or 18 plays. Because really it was 20, what, 28 plays that the Packers ran for the most part that were successful. After that, <laughs> Nada. Nada. 28 plays and then nothing. That's an area where you can legitimately circle it and say, look, they won the game. But there is something to ask here. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't beautiful. It wasn't a a masterpiece. What what was the problem here? You got to learn from that. You take the win. I'm not saying, but but Daniel, don't say, well, they won the game. What am I missing? What you're missing is, is the fact that they have blemishes. We said that all through the season last year. I ignored, I, I finally got tired of being the guy that was screaming into the wilderness, saying there's a problem here. People kept saying, lighten up, R-E-L-A-X. They won the game. They're 13 wins. They got the number one number one uh, seed in the NFC. They're the best. 
I said, okay, okay, you're right. And then lo and behold, what I've been preaching all season long came to fruition. And they got their ass kicked and handed to them in the postseason against San Francisco. So I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to sit here and complain, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. You may not like it. Some people don't want to hear it. They want to just – it's like you get the the, the victory, and and I just picture sometimes people at home going, oh, my God. It's like a dog when the dog's rolling on the ground, scratching its back, twisting around. It's like the Packers get a win, and it doesn't matter if they win by 40 or win by one in a very ugly game. They're just like, they got to win. And they're rolling around in their their Bart Starr jerseys, and it's just like, this is great. And you tend to ignore what could possibly be wrong. And you need to pay attention to that, too. Um, Rig says, is that uh, strictly on the floor or the staff that needs to improve? Um, that's a, that's a great question. Rigsy, I, I don't know. I wish I had the answer for you. I mean, ultimately, let's be honest, Matt LaFleur is responsible and he's the play caller. Now, how much leeway we found out, Aaron Rodgers said, look, I have 100% autonomy to be able to change the play at the line of scrimmage or manipulate it at the line of scrimmage. So maybe that maybe that is a combination of he and Rodgers. I don't know. Uh, and But that's not to say they can't learn from it. It's not to say it can't get better. And it's not to say that it won't get better. I believe it will. It has to, right? It has to. I think uh, this is also from, uh, this is Lamar who says, I believe that the Packers defensively is, they're going to statistically move up over the next four or five games. This is a great opportunity for them to pad their stats until they face the Buffalo Bills and a real offense. Uh, he says, uh, paper champions. Lamar, again, you can only play, what, I mean, I understand what you're saying because they don't face juggernauts over the next, what, four or five games with New England without their quarterback, New York, London, which is still going to be, I think, a weird, tough game. Um, then the Jets, then Washington before they head into Buffalo. So I understand what you're saying, yeah. But you can only – it's not like every week you can play Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City, you know, uh, you know, the Rams, and then start over again. And say, okay, we're the best of the best. You just you, you take what you take what the schedule gives you, and you do what you can with it. You know, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Give me a shout. Uh, who else is this one? Um, just trying to respond to Mark too. Uh, Muhammad says, uh, hey, Bill, love the Packers. Listening to you here in Florida, hurricanes starting to rip up the backyard. Stay safe. I just, I was just telling Ben, um, I was just telling Ben that uh, my sister, um, who takes three, four, five vacations down to Disney World every year, apparently picked this week to go, and now it's shut down. And I just saw some uh, video pictures that she had posted of the hurricane starting to you know, they say it probably won't come ashore until later this afternoon, but I guess it's starting to tear it up pretty good down there. So It looks bad. I There is something, though, and I'm thinking of everyone down in Florida. Yeah. I've never understood the weather people just actively going into the center of a extremely right? destructive weather phenomena. Yeah, right. 
it is uh, somewhat mind-boggling, um, but it is, we are a, a culture of awe. We love to look up and go awe and be, you know, get the video of the awe. And that's what the Weather Channel does. And I saw it this morning. I was, I was watching all the different news nets, networks, and everybody's got somebody down there. They're all standing out there in the rain ponchos and such. And they're all taking it right in the face. And they're all there to show you the strength and the power. And then they always show you that, uh, that shot of the highway that's completely jammed with people leaving. And then there's always the, the interview with the person that's going to stay. And I'm going to ride it out, you know. And then they show people boarding up the windows. I mean, I can pretty much go through the newscast scene by scene, picture by picture. And then they come back to the guy that's standing or the girl that's standing in the rain or standing near the beach or what have you. And they're saying, and this isn't even the worst of it yet, you know. And I'm waiting for just, and it's so dangerous. You ever been in a hurricane, Ben? No. It's I, I've never been, but I've I've been near a tornado uh, when I was a kid. My dad uh, on an old nine millimeter camera, the the video camera, the the movie camera, went outside when one was hitting Sailor Park, Ohio, which is just outside of Cincinnati. And we were not that far away. We could see it. My dad grabbed the video camera and the movie camera and went outside. And the debris. Now, this is like getting uh, an F3 or an F5 tornado to come ripping through your area, which is going to hit. And the only difference is this is going to be like 30 miles wide or 100 miles wide, and it's going to continue for an hour. So it's it's not like a, a tornado that just comes through real quick and then it lifts up and it's gone. This is... This is massive destruction. And these people stand outside in this just unbelievable wind, and you keep thinking to yourself, one day you're going to see like a big metal panel or something go flying by and just take this person out. Kind of like what you see when Ollie is on the scene in Family Guy. Ollie, let's go to Ollie. It's raining sideways. Okay, thank you, Ollie. That type of thing. Or he gets hit and taken out. One of these days you're going you're, you're gonna to see this happen with one of these reporters down there on the beach or whatever, and a wave's going to crash or the water's going to come over or something flying through the air is going to hit them, and then that's going to be the end of this on-the-site reporting type stuff. You're going to see them inside a building or inside a, you know enclosed area as everything behind them gets wicked. But I, I still can't figure out why they, they put these people out in the middle of nowhere and say, here it comes, you know. <laughs> I agree with you. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. You know, um, one we were talking about the the hurricane, and Ian now. Um, creeping into Florida and I just got uh, I've got friends that live in Naples and Marco Island and that is that is well underwater now uh, Naples Florida uh, they have a storm surge that's already up into the hotels three to five feet they're expecting it to go to 12 um, Marco Island is getting just absolutely hammered uh, everybody's been evacuated from Marco Islands currently in Fort Myers Florida uh, the video is just amazing it is now seven feet deep uh, pretty much inland, uh, it's up over cars and such now uh, in Fort Myers. But there is, I just retweeted it, uh, if you haven't seen it. There is a picture, and I have to go back because the Twitter's been just blowing up today with all of the uh, weather coverage. 
And, and I, I do. I don't mean to make light of people that go down there and cover this because there is some awe to this because of just the, the power of nature. But um, what I was looking at, Tampa Bay, because they are on the top side of the storm where the storm spins counterclockwise, it has sucked all the water out of Tampa Bay. If you follow me on Twitter, go look at it. Tampa Bay, usually it's 10, 15, 15 feet deep as it butts up against the city. It is empty. There's maybe a foot of water. There's people walking where the, where the ocean normally is. There's people walking on the ground. There's one person in one, of these, in one of these shots. They're just walking through the bay. What would normally be completely filled with water up against the city, it's empty. There's nothing there. That's how, that's the power of this storm. It's really amazing. But if you haven't seen it, look at it. Follow me over on Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels. The water's gone uh, on that side of the Gulf of Mexico. It's just, wow. All of that power, all that churning has sucked the water out of there. So, I mean, obviously it'll eventually come back. But um, Gustav Valdez uh, is a reporter down there. Uh, he's a CNN uh, correspondent, and I used his picture. And man, oh man, oh man, it's just—it's amazing that all the water's gone. All the water's gone. So anyway, uh, I don't want to get too deep into that as a, a meteorologist type of guy, but nevertheless, um, this one is from Andy, who says, uh, "I used to live in Florida. Lived through one hurricane, and not something you ever want to go through." I, Kristen, uh, actually. When a hurricane, what was the big one that hit New York City? Ben, do you remember? It was not that long ago. They had the big benefit for New York City and such. Sandy? Yes. Hurricane Sandy. Thank you very much. Hurricane Sandy. Kristen lived in Rhode Island back then. Actually moved down into Greenwich and uh, down near the, you know, going towards Boston. And Sandy, that's what hit New York so hard. But north of there... Because of the spin, they got part of the the hurricane, and power was out and everything. And she said it it, you know they they didn't even take the direct hit, and she had stayed. She was pregnant at the time, and she said it just I, I never want to go through it again, never want to go through it again. It's it's an amazing scene, and it's scary. The whole house shook, uh, and she said that they were trying to restore power in the neighborhood, and she actually went out. She was. I guess pretty pregnant at the time, and went outside and begged because she no electric in the house, no power, no nothing. Said, "Hey, look, I I'm in here. I'm pregnant. I'm by myself. You know the whole thing. Um, can you help me out?" And they they set up temper. They had to like pull wires down the street to temporarily set up some of the houses in her neighborhood so they had power. And she basically got it done because they you know felt bad because of a pregnant woman who was without power. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, she said it was awful. Had some pictures. Uh, didn't have video of it, but had some pictures of it. I'm like, holy crap. I would never. I got to admit, I, I, I love the power of nature. I love watching it. Uh, the other night when the storms were coming through on Sunday, uh, here in the southeastern portion of the state of Wisconsin, we were doing the show live over at uh, Smoke on the Water. And then the winds changed and the storm hit and the hail hit. And we were just kind of watching out of those giant uh, windows the big uh, uh, garage doors they have in that lower level down where we were broadcasting and watching the Packers game. 
And then the power went out for a split second, but you could see it coming. And I love the power of storm and the power of weather. I always have. I was lucky enough to grow up on a, and I know I'm digressing, so pardon me for a minute, but I, I was lucky enough growing up where I did. My mom and dad had a house with a really, really big front porch. And when bad weather would hit in the neighborhood, it's where all the kids gathered. All the kids came to our because we could stay outside because it was a really big overhang of the front porch. And I used to love just sitting on the porch with my mom and watching the storms come in because we faced our house faced west. So you could see it coming in that way. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget when that that tornado hit because that started debris was flying and we were getting from about 12 to 15 miles away. We were getting debris as the farms down in Sailor Park were being destroyed. And we were getting, like, barn boards and hay and stuff that were being flung in our neighborhood and near our yard. And uh, and I know a school bus got flipped over because, I don't know, some second or third generation relative or something like that actually drove a school bus and got the school bus picked up and thrown about a half a mile down the road. So I would I don't think I'd want to be in one of those storms. If a, if a hurricane was hitting now over in Philadelphia in your Philly area, you've been hit with that, right? Yeah, never the direct center of it. I remember, yeah. you know, remnants coming through, but it's never been that significant. Yeah. It's uh it's 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 pretty awe-inspiring. That's why I say when I say the awe factor, it's the awe-inspiring factor. That's what that is. Okay, I've digressed long enough. Um yeah, Andrew says, I'd love to be a storm chaser. I've thought about that. I don't know if I want to drive directly into a tornado, but, uh, you know, cruising through Oklahoma, watching cows fly by, I don't know if I want to do that. But uh, I still um, I still find the weather, which is the reason why you see the weather channel and all of the different weather people standing on the beaches and standing on the sidewalks and taking it in the face because we all have a fascination with the massive. You know, that's what we want to see. And you and it's still just in, in what you see in television shots, it is um it still doesn't do it justice. It still doesn't do it justice. And the eye wall is even it's not even on shore yet. And so the front portion of the storm as it hits you, um that has not even, you know, that that's starting to come ashore. The backside of it is what really does a lot of the damage and sucks up the storm surge. That's still hours away. They say the full brunt of this thing won't be felt until it probably hits right around maybe 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock our time. So, man, it's they still got a ways to go, but it's getting ugly. Getting ugly. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, get out of this. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we should be, correct me if I'm wrong, we're going to hear from Matt LaFleur, Ben? Yes, once it is okay. passed along. I believe he's still, he just wrapped up a minute or two okay. ago, so we should okay. have So it. we're, we're going to hear this. Uh, Matt LaFleur at the podium when we come back. Stay tuned. Got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael show continuing on 
We're going to hear from Matt LaFleur coming up here momentarily. Got to get him all loaded up as uh, he uh, had just walked away from the podium. And we were talking a little bit about it, uh, about the hurricane and such while he was talking. So we, uh, we're going to back it up and play it back for you. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over at New Mail Medical. Treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin. Beyond the borders, uh, whether it's Chicago, Vegas, Minneapolis, anywhere in between, give them a buzz. That's New Mail Medical. One phone number, by the way, 414-455-4451. Get a hold of Doc Tim over there. He can help you out. 414-455-4451. That's the New Mail Medical Center, and they got a lot of good stuff going on over there right now. You can get in and get your numbers checked, whether it's low T uh, or the all-in weight loss program. They can help you out there. Or ED, I mean, you know. You know that you you know you got it right. If you got it, you got it, and uh, you can check it uh, get that checked out. They have a ninety eight percent success rate at getting that stuff checked out. So uh, get a hold of our friends over at New Mail Medical N U M A L E New Mail Medical Center four one four four five five four four five one four one four four five five four four five one. Give us a shout. Um. All, all now. Before we get into Matt Lafleur, which is coming up, and we're getting that all dialed in. Ben, is this a statement from the person? I think it's a statement from. If we uh, go back to the scandal that was in the world of chess, what I have sent you is a statement from the champion, not the one accused of certain acts regarding okay. vibrating items. Okay. Uh, an unprecedented professional decision to withdraw from the tournament, blah, 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 uh, against Hans Niemann. A week later during the Champions Chess Tour, I resigned against Hans Niemann after playing only one move. I know my actions have frustrated many in the chess community. This is a big deal in the chess community. I'm frustrated. I want to play chess. I want to contribute to play chess at the highest level. I believe that cheating in chess is a big deal, and it's existential threat to the game. In other words, Hans Niemann, who is accused of, here we go, vibrating anal beads. The, the world of vibrating anal beads. There you go. Vibrating anal beads are now in play in the world of chess. I believe that Niemann has cheated more and more recently than he has publicly admitted. His over-the-board progress has been unusual and uh, throughout our game. In the Cinquefield Cup, I don't even know what that is. He said he had the impression that he wasn't tense or even fully concentrating on the game in critical positions while outplaying me as black in a way I think only a handful of players can do. This game contributed to changing my perspective. In other words, the guy was clearly waiting for a signal. He was in loose. his eyes. He was, he was, yeah, he was loose. He was kind of like, okay, just relax. Oh, okay. Rooked upon right there. There you go. Oh, I got to take your queen. <laughs> uh, at least according to the uh, the reports uh, or the rumors that there were some vibrating anal beads going on <laughs> by Hans Niemann. This is so bizarre. This is so bizarre. Oh, my God. Good Lord. Good Lord. We go from hurricane serious situations to the world of chess being scandalized by vibrating anal beads. We on the Bill Michael Show cover everything. Everything. We're just that damn good. We're all over the place. 
little bit of expertise in everything is a very dangerous thing. That's it. Not that we have expertise in vibrating anal beads, just on reporting the story. Then again, I do not know the personal life and or workings of one Ben Kenny. <laughs> chess guy. And then... You are a chess guy. That's what I'm saying. You're I turn the chess my mic guy. off and I let people come to their own conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Just It's kind of like, you know, dropping the stink bomb. You just throw it in the middle of the room and you walk away. And then people start blaming one another. The grapevine starts to get hot. Who did what, when and where and why. And you just sit back and smile and go, I did that. I did that. I do. I'm a fan of chaos here. And in the end, Hans Niemann has said he would play games nude. I think that would be hilarious. That would be bizarre. At least we're a jock for gosh sakes. Or put him in the the Kirk Cousins uh, plexiglass thing that he wanted to set up in his own quarterback room just without transmission being possible from there. And then also nude. You like that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's just the most bizarre story that keeps on giving. There you go. Um, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Rick says that Ben's going to have to drop the beads at the opportune time now. I don't know. We got some new technology coming into the studio here next week. So uh, we could be, you know, getting the, the actual sound from the chess tournament audibleized right here in the Bill Michaels program next week. Who knows? Stay tuned for that. It's going to be a bizarre weekend. If I have to go in search of vibrating anal beads for a sound effect. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is from Greg. Greg says, what amazes me, Bill, is the guys that actually fly the planes into the eye of the hurricane. Right? I don't even, I I can't even, fa- I don't know what prompted anybody to say, you know what? I got to do that. And it's not like they fly a jet in there. They fly one of those four-prop planes. And they drop stuff. Once they get in there, they got these little, like, uh, it's like going to the bank, that little tube chute, and it's got this recording device in it. And they drop it into the eye of the hurricane, and it tells you barometric pressure, wind speed, all that kind of stuff. It's it's amazing. It's 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 crazy amazing what they do. Those hurricane, uh, I don't know what they call them, what what their technical name is, but the hurricane flyers, you know, they're the ones that the the hurricane prognosticate, who knows? But the ones that fly the planes directly through the hurricane, that's just crazy. It's amazing because a plane can't get off the ground in hurricane force winds, but they'll fly it into the hurricane. I still don't understand all of that as as well. I've seen the documentaries on it, like on the Discovery Channel or Nature Nature Channels or something, and watching these guys do that, uh, guys and girls, uh, it's, it's just crazy to me. Crazy to me that they do that. Absolutely bananas. Uh, 877-867-1670. Uh, this is from Angie who says, I have friends and family in Florida praying for everyone. Also, do you know what the game is going to be this coming Sunday between the Patriots and the Packers? Uh, where it's going to be. You must be talking about the Patriots-Packers game, but you're asking actually about, I would assume anyway, Angie, you're asking, maybe you just kind of mistyped, but you're asking about the Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And from what we understand, what was just stated a little while ago today is that if they cannot play the game in Tampa Bay, because Tampa Bay is no longer taking a direct hit, as originally thought, it, it took a really hard right, the, the hurricane did, 
and it was trending towards Tampa Bay, and instead it took a hard right and went right through uh, Naples, Fort Myers Beach, right into that area. And it, it the, the brunt of that is going to miss Tampa Bay. They're still going to see uh, wind and rain and such, but they're not going to see the direct impact of the hurricane as originally thought, originally forecasted. This thing just all of a sudden went, and went right on them, and all of a sudden Fort Myers Beach was in the, in the eye. So um, they say they should be able to play this game by Sunday. If they can't, they're going to make it a Monday night game in Minneapolis. From what I understand, I think that was just put out a little while ago. A Monday night game in Minneapolis. Uh, meanwhile, the Packers game, they're not going to move any of that. Packers game is not going to be moved. I don't think any other games in the uh, in the National Football League are going to be moved because of this, to be quite honest with you. But that game, they will move. Let's do this uh, because I want to leave enough time for Matt, Matt LaFleur. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up this portion of the program. Being brought to you by our friends at Skipper Buds. I took my boat over there. Uh, just the other day, and I uh, I went to uh, drop yesterday. As a matter of fact, I dropped it off. They're going to winterize it. Uh, they're going to check it out. I want the oil changed because it's a new engine. They're going to shrink wrap it, and then they're going to store it. And they do uh, boat stacking, and they're stacking a uh, uh, big warehouse over there, the big uh, giant pole barn that they have. They can stack it on the inside. They can store it on the outside, whatever it is you want. Uh, but they've got that going on right now, and I highly recommend it because I didn't do it, and I paid the price, 10000 bucks for a brand-new engine. So don't do what I did. I am the poster child for stupid. Don't do what I did. Call right now. Call and talk to Kathy over there. Kathy's the one in charge of doing that. Uh, Kathy, Call Kathy, 262-544-1200, back in service, 262-544-1200. Tell Kathy we sent you. Say, Kathy, Bill Michaels wants to get us in, and uh, they, they got a deal on all this stuff going on right now. But uh, want to get in and get a winterized because tonight we could have a little bit of freezing wet temperatures going way, way down, almost to 32 tonight. I think like 33, 34. But when I heard it possible freeze, I'm like, screw that. I'm done. So I took my boat in, and it's getting winterized and all that kind of good stuff. Get a hold of our friends over at Skipper Bud. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. It's the Packers and the Patriots this Sunday here in Green Bay. This will be the 13th time these two franchises will play. Dating back to 1973, Green Bay holds a six-game tie with New England, including the playoffs, when they beat the Pats in New Orleans in Super Bowl 31. Bill Belichick has hired back some of his assistants that didn't fare well as NFL head coaches, including former Lions head coach Matt Patricia, now New England's offensive line coach. He talked about getting back up Brian Hoyer ready at quarterback this week. Now that Mac Jones is out with a high ankle sprain. You know, the quarterback position is no different than than any other position. So uh, whatever winds up happening as we go through the course of the week, we know that those guys will prepare uh, to be ready to go play. And certainly with Hoyer and his experience, I think that's what he does every single week. He's been doing that for a long time, so he's ready for that. And after the Packers beat the Buccaneers Sunday night, Aaron Rodgers made this comment on the NFL on Fox. Sometimes you see things in the game. Sometimes the Jumbotron shows things they probably shouldn't show, even at home. Uh, I saw something and just passed on the information. Rogers asked to clarify those remarks yesterday on the McAfee Show. I did see something on the Jumbotron that I did. That I went down and relayed to Matt. I'm not going to get into exactly what I saw, um, but I just thought I, I thought I saw something. I walked down and I relayed it to Matt. Whether that got relayed to Joe or not, I'm not sure. 
either way, it had nothing to do with the two-point conversion. There was not an image of like the, you know, the, the Microsoft Surface or anything on there. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny though. But even still, you know, even if you if you know something's coming and you relay it. Um, you still got to go out and execute. That's Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. To the program. Good to have you. Let's do this. Matt LaFleur just wrapped up his presser at the podium. Let's take a listen to what the head coach has to say. Right now, and... um, just thought it'd be best to use today as more jog through uh, tempo. So this is also a function of the studying you did because you were taking the blame on Monday for Sammy's injury. But this is the result of what you guys kind of found. Yeah. Well, this may be a one week thing, or do you anticipate it being? I mean, I guess what I'm asking is this because of the cumulative? We're fluid right here, man. Right. So it could change next week. It could change it totally. Yeah. yeah. But no, just where we are right now, I think that's why um, I have a hard time doing schedules too far in advance because I just want to be able to change them. If, if uh, you know, you always got to have a feel for your team and where you're at, and um, that's part of it. And this is a pretty fluid business, so you got to be able to adjust on the fly. And um, we just think that, that that's what's best for our team right now. Now, Dave, it said after the game, hey, I feel good because I'm pumped full of adrenaline. How do you think he feels now? Have you, have you got any indication on just you know how he feels several days out from it? You know, I, I haven't had that direct conversation with him. So we, we had we gave the guys off Monday, um, and then Tuesday was their 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 own day off. Um, they just had to come in and get a flush workout, and obviously he checked in with the training room. But I have not had a conversation with him in that regard to see where he's at. But just in my interactions with him, he seemed like he was in a good mood. So. Um, you know, I'm hopeful that he's going to be all right, but we'll see how he, he responds and how he does tomorrow. Any short or long-term concern about Jair? I think you're always concerned about guys. So, um, but yeah, again, day to day, I would say. Yeah, what you think of Pat being able to be the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week after everything he did? On yeah, he was he was huge in that game, man. Really did a great job of. Uh, can help control the field position, and uh, anytime you're able to get five punts in, down inside the 15-yard line it was pretty remarkable. I thought our our whole punt unit as a whole did a really nice job. Our flyers, obviously, Keyshawn Nixon had a, a, a nice play on the one we downed on the two-yard line. Rudy Ford was flying down there, uh, making plays. So, uh, and the protection was good. So, I thought everybody did a really nice job. Small sample size, but your third down defense is a whole lot better right now than it was last year, I think, first in the league. What do you kind of attribute that to? You know, talk to a lot of the same players. Yeah, I think, number one, um, you're always talking about the rush being tied to the coverage um, or vice versa and are complementing each other. And and, um, so we've, we've been able to get pressure on the quarterback and we're doing a nice job on the back end. And I think... Quite honestly, it seemed like, and I don't know the exact numbers, but it seems like there's a lot more third and, and long situations for the offense, and that's going to translate into a better third down percentage, I would say, 99% of the time. So the first and second down efficiency it, um, seems to be much better 
than it was in the past. But we're like I told the guys today, you're only as good as your last game. So we got to continue to improve and get better, and we're going to have a great challenge again this week. I think New England's offense, I mean, they've been able to move the football, and um, so it'll be a good, good test for our guys. You've seen a lot of eight-man box in, in Tampa, and you ran into it quite, quite a few times. How important is that to do with your, you know, with what you have at running back to, to still run into those boxes? Is that ever challenging as a play caller, knowing that they're loading the box and still running into it? Yeah, totally. It's uh, a major challenge, but I think it's important. You know, first of all, you're talking about two of our most explosive playmakers, and uh, you know, you, you kind of you, you want to give them opportunities and. Um, you know, there were some where it looked like we were going to have some good looks at the runs, but the the run solution looked look pretty good too. And so now you're just uh, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, kind of thing. So, um, but I think that yeah, we got to give those guys opportunities, uh, especially when you're you're playing against a front like that, because um, if they know you're going to pass the ball all the time, then the pass rush is going to tee off and it's going to be tough sledding. Different for you than your experience in the past as a play caller? Because usually when you see the eight-man box, it's, it's pretty easy to, to throw the ball, right? But it just just because of having Jones and, and Dillon, does it feel differently to call and plays knowing you have those guys? Yeah, I think every game's a little bit different, but uh, certainly trying to not abandon it, you know, learn from past mistakes maybe, and not abandon it totally. What's the biggest challenge in going up against a Bill Belichick coach team? You just never know what you're going to get. And he's, I mean, he's the best, the best of the best, uh, regardless of sport. And um, it's not a shocker as to why he's won so many Super Bowls and how many, why he's won so many games. And uh, he just, he does a great job of taking what you do best away from you and uh, keeping you off balance. They, they can play a lot of different looks out of the same personnel groupings. Um, and he just, he, I don't know, he's been doing it at a high level for a really long time. I was going to ask, what was everyday life like for you in 1991 when he was in his first year as an NFL head coach? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I was like 12 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some coaches um, have what they do, and that's what they do. Other coaches kind of adapt week to week. Is that more along where he is, or what what they showed for three weeks might be completely different than what they're going to show this week? Yeah, I think you just never quite know. I mean, yeah, you study the tape, but then you look back at in, in previous years, and um, that that is the challenge against going uh, when you go against a, a team coached by him is you you don't know, and you can try to make the best educated guess, but you better be ready to adapt on game day if, if they present a different look. I remember how challenging it was going against him. Um, you know, back when I was in Atlanta, played against that defense. And then uh, when I was in Tennessee, we played against him as well. Have not gone against him too many times throughout the course of my career. So, um, you know, but some of our other guys were in that division and they would just talk about all the challenges and um, so it, that that has been, I guess, somewhat beneficial, but it also could have you chasing ghosts as well. Um, along those lines, you were saying on Monday that you guys as a staff, you guys were a little frustrated in the second half and saying, hey, they're all coaching us because we can't get anything going. As a head coach and as a play caller, is, is figuring out adjustments in-game on the fly the biggest challenge for a coach? And is it the thing that you work the hardest to get better at because it's so crucial? 
There you have it. Wish we could have got that answer. Question a little bit long, but uh, nevertheless, in-game adjustments are what we've been talking about pretty much uh, most of the day. Coming up, Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus. We're going to talk with him about this Green Bay Packers team. Interesting stuff from Matt LaFleur. We'll dissect. Stay tuned. A whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. 